Welcome to Energy Transitions, a podcast brought to you by Endlich Europe and Friends. In this series, we will spotlight the people and projects driving change and innovation in Europe's energy sector. You can download this and all other episodes on endlich-europe.com slash podcasts. Now, let's start today's conversation. Hello and welcome to this podcast brought to you by Endlich Europe and Power Engineering International. My name is Pamela Lang, your host for today's session. When one thinks about California, USA, you think about beautiful sunshine, beaches, and surf. Well, those wonderful waves are good for more than just surfing. Yes, tidal energy is taking off on the West Coast, and Marcus Lehman, CEO of CalWave, is here to talk more about this interesting topic. Marcus, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Let's let's get straight into it. Um, please tell us a little bit more about yourself and CalWave. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. I'm Mark Sleeman, co-founder and CEO of CalWave Power Technologies. We are a wave energy developer um, based in Oakland, California. And yeah, we're developing new technology that is able to harvest ocean waves as a resource. Thank you for that. Uh, I think we need to just paint the picture for our listeners in terms of California, the coastline. Why did you choose to situate yourselves on the Californian coast? And what is it like in terms of the waves off the coast of California? If you could just give us more of an idea, that'll be great. Yeah, no, um, of course. And just to clarify, so ocean energy has several resources, one of them being wave power. There's also tidal energy. So the origin of that is from motion of the moon. Then we have ocean thermal, that's the temperature differences in the ocean being used saline gradient and some count offshore wind also into the category. Wave power is really the lowest hanging fruit in terms of largest resource and proximity to end users. And so for the US, the Department of Energy found that the technical feasible resource, so that's already the renewable resource broken down or reduced twice from the theoretical potential and so that theoretical, I'm sorry, that technical feasible potential is still enough to provide up to 30% of US electricity demand. So it's an enormous resource, very large and distributed all along our coastlines and not only the US and California, but also international Western Europe um, coastlines and all around the world. And the great benefits, it's really a stored form of wind energy. So we have strong winds creating friction on the ocean surface creating our waves that people used to surf in, and then they travel without any losses for a very long time. And yeah, what we're seeing just from in terms of demand side and location there, we're seeing uh, a trend that global migration is going towards the coastlines. US is a great example where nearly half of the population lives within 50 miles of the coast. So to have a very high dense, um, yeah, energy rich resource so close to the actual end users is a great benefit that yeah we always like to highlight. Thank you for that explanation. It seems that wave energy or, or tidal energy, um, in fact, marine energy at large is really taking off around the world. Uh, we've covered a lot around uh, Europe as well, but less so uh, around the United States. Do you believe that this is quite a nascent technology? And do you believe that there is a great deal of growth potential? And do you think it will start to pick up now? 
Yeah, no, you're right. Historically, um, Europe had more demonstration projects, especially around EMAC, the European Marine Energy Centre in Scotland, with governmental support from Scotland, UK, but also European Union. The US now is really catching up. I think historically, tidal energy was an easier problem to solve because it's closer from a technological perspective to a river turbine or wind turbine. So we have essentially a water stream going in and out of bays or along coastlines or also ocean currents use different, um, use similar technology. And so these are essentially, simply speaking, wind turbines underwater. So it's a hydrokinetic device that, you know, the water stream creates a torque and then that produces electricity. For wave power, the resource is a little more complex. It's the orbital motion. The particles don't actually travel. So you can imagine it like a rope on the floor and you give it a nudge and you see the rope is actually traveling. It's carrying energy, but the rope itself stays local. And so that's exactly the same for wave power where it's really surface waves that travel and um, there's no actual particle motion. So that resource being kind of in an orbital circular motion is a little more difficult to capture. And so historically, wave power has been a little behind tidal energy in terms of technology readiness level. But now we're seeing globally a lot of demonstrations. So technology readiness level seven, eight, and yeah, progressing towards nine. And here the US has been really um, yeah, gaining momentum um, yeah, over the last several years, I want to say, especially um, with support from the Department of Energy. There is a um, yeah, specific group, the Water Power Technology Office, and yeah, they have a dedicated team um, that funds demonstration projects. Historically, there was um, yeah, most of the demonstrations in the US took place at WETS, the Wave Energy Test Site in Hawaii, operated by the US Navy, initially developed by a developer um, called um, Ocean Power Technologies. And that's being used now for several demonstration projects. In our case, we've developed our own site in collaboration with the Scripps Institution of Oceanography as part of the yeah, UC San Diego and UC um, Research Network. Um, yeah, our technology initially comes out of UC Berkeley, and so we had a long um, ongoing collaboration and conversation with Scripps there. They had a lot of historical data. They're one of the oldest institutes researching the ocean. So there was a rich um, and large historical data set available that made it really attractive as well from a permitting perspective. Location there yeah, is classified um, as, um, you know, a space being used for research. Um, so there was a great match here. And next to that now, the Department of Energy in the US is funding a new test site called PuckWave. Yeah, you can find it at puckwaveenergy.org, I think. And that will be the first utility scale grid connected wave farm in the US located in Oregon. And yeah, with 20 megawatts yeah, connected to the grid, um, that's being a critical um, new infrastructure piece there that yeah, is expected to go online soon. They're currently working on the cable laying. They received all their FERC permits and BOEM leases. So just to clarify, FERC is the Federal Energy Resource Commission, so responsible for any um, power generation equipment that connects to the grid. And BOEM is the Bureau of Ocean Management that gives out leases for um, yeah, ocean space, ocean usage. So similar to um, what an offshore wind farm would need. And so these permits have been granted this year, and so we're seeing a lot of momentum now um, towards that um, test facility.
Thanks for taking us through that. A lot of exciting developments uh, clearly on the horizon. Marcus, you started mentioning some of the more technical aspects of how wave energy actually works. And for some of our listeners, um, the more technical aspects are very interesting. Could you talk more about Wave's technology and how you guys are actually harvesting wave energy? Yeah, certainly. Um, so our technology was initially inspired by phenomena where a certain muddy coastline yeah, acts like a spring damper model. And so similar to, you know, a car driving over a bumpy road, they have shock absorbers and you might have seen videos of, you know, active shock absorbers. So that allow essentially a car to go over a very bumpy road without any larger excitation. And so that mud floor does exactly the same. It has specific properties that match with the frequency of the waves and the strength. And with that, essentially in that area, that vibration helps or that, that mud property helps to absorb um, ocean waves very effectively. And so that was kind of driving our initial thinking of operating submerged. And so now as part of the US Wave Energy Prize, that was a two year long competition to identify next generation wave technology that can become cost competitive with offshore wind or other um, power generation technologies. Yeah, we've developed a system that is classified as a submerged pressure differential device. That means we operate fully submerged and we utilize the pressure differential. And so for ocean waves, the particles essentially exchange the energy from kinetic to potential. It's a little bit like, you know, an electric car going over a bumpy road um, or let's say a, um, a hilly road. So as the car goes up to the peak of the hill, the car gains um, kinetic um, potential and as it goes down in the valley, it gains speed and then essentially it gains um, ki yeah, kinetic energy versus um, the actual um, yeah, elevation potential. And so we're utilizing exactly um, these, this, that kind of interplay between these two to extract um, yeah, as much energy as we can from, from the, with the smallest amount of material. Well, I can tell you while you're explaining, I could really picture how this works and, and thank you for that. Uh, what is next for Wave? What are you guys busy with at the moment and, and what are you looking to get involved in in the, in the coming years? Yeah, CalWave just went through a very exciting milestone. We installed our first open ocean pilot at Scripps in San Diego. And yeah, we've been now operating since uh, mid-September, so over months now. And that's been really a major breakthrough. Um, yeah, of course, COVID really slowed us down significantly, especially when it came to manufacturing and execution of the project. We've been working on that pilot since 17. And yeah, it's been really exciting now that finally things opened up. We were able to manufacture and install. And now we're planning to operate the system for six months. That is part of our yeah, 2017 um, USDOE award. And that allows us to record performance. So we're filling a performance matrix of the system. So similar to kind of a um, performance curve of a wind turbine where you measure efficiency for different wind speeds. We're now measuring efficiency for a range of different sea states, um, wave heights and wave periods. Next to that, of course, demonstrating that all our processes work from installation to maintenance and then, of course, um, reliability of the system. So this is really our initial project. 
and then going forward we're planning to offer that unit um, to the market from next year on once we've you know have um, gained that um, confidence and reliability and that then can be used for applications in the blue economy so that includes end users that need power and data offshore so our system can really serve as a platform for anyone that needs yeah, power in remote locations and using wave power is really attractive there because it is more energy dense so the amount of space and material we need to get to a substantial amount of power significantly lower than other renewables and so that allows us to yeah, get really a, a nice energy dense concentrated and power source and yeah can recharge batteries and applications can enable a range of iot um, devices including more power hungry sensors video streaming data compression data export to satellite and so these are just some of the lower hanging um, fruit uh, use cases there next to that we're working on a larger unit as well the x100 with the goal to deploy that at puckwave once it becomes operational in oregon thanks for that uh, marcus indeed an exciting time ahead for Culwave. If we take the US with the Biden administration, there's a great deal of focus on renewable energy, uh, which is very exciting indeed. And of course, with uh, the US rejoining the Paris Agreement, are you excited about what the future holds? And what are your expectations when it comes to COP26? What do you think we're going to see coming out of that event? Yeah, it's definitely an exciting time now and we're seeing offshore wind finally arriving. For us, offshore wind is just a very natural synergy and, and partner going forward. You know, the same farms, the same export cables, the same expertise to develop offshore wind farms, including installation, maintenance of the actual devices. A lot can be transferred and shared um, between offshore wind and wave. And so we're seeing um, a great future there to utilize the same infrastructure, electrical export infrastructure to use for offshore wind as well as wave going forward. So offshore wind now really arriving, gaining momentum in the US is extremely exciting to see. And I think there is a great partnership also from a production profile perspective. Yeah, there was one study done um, by a group in Stanford that found if we co-locate uh, offshore wind and wave farm in California, for example, um, they can have a joint capacity factor of 80 to 90 percent and that's just because of the peak production profile are kind of counter cyclical where wind produces the largest um, in the summer months and then wave in the winter months so sharing that um, export cable can really have enormous value to the grid and so for um, upcoming COP it's you know based on the previous conferences we hope now with a lot of capital going into projects there is new optimism and yeah, momentum towards clean energy projects as well as new technologies. But of course, the results have yet to be seen. And yeah, it's, it's really critical that all participants come together and, and find a joint agreement that, you know, everyone can um, execute and is able to execute. As I think, yeah, we're really running out of time. And yeah, from my current perspective, we're seeing the, the main target is really to maintain that one and a half degree Celsius. And from what I've been reading that with current policies, that seems not achievable. Um, so yeah, we really have to ramp up um, our efforts there um, internationally on a political level as well to, to achieve that, um, that milestone. Absolutely. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on COP26 and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on tidal energy and wave energy, um, especially in the US. 
I think I have one more question for you, Marcus. Uh, do you surf? Yeah, <laughs> um, luckily, so I grew up in Munich in, in Germany. Um, we actually have a standing wave on a river, um, so I had first exposure. But I also, yeah, personally enjoy um, more of the breaking waves closer to shore for wave power. We're a little further out, so we're, we're not um, actually extracting or limiting space for recreational use, just to comment on that. So, um, yeah, but I think that definitely sparked my interest and um, yeah, also appreciation of the power um, of that resource. Well, that's good to know. I feel like uh, our questions have been answered. Would you like to share any concluding comments with our listeners? Yeah, certainly it's exciting new space. Yeah, the resource has great benefits, not only for the US, but also for the UK, as well as other island states. We're really seeing the, the main impacts um, for island um, economies as they often rely on imported fuel and, and other um, resources. So utilizing a, a very dense local resource can be a great potential there. And, you know, from an impact perspective, we're also seeing now a lot of island nations coming together and, you know, presenting their united voice um, as, you know, a smaller economies are often overheard, but they still represent about 11% of global population. And so that's one of the areas we're really hoping to help um, going forward to you know, find a, um, a reliable and local clean access to energy there for these communities. Absolutely. I know that uh, the small island nations or, or SIDS will be well represented at COP26. And uh, like you say, that is a great application uh, providing clean power for many of these smaller island nations that rely so heavily on fossil fuels. So very exciting. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like we could talk for a long time about wave energy, but uh, I'm sure that our listeners and, and we certainly appreciate your time and your insights, and we wish you all the best for, for you and Kelwave and the team. And uh, who knows, maybe we can come and visit and, and take a look at the Californian coast. Yeah, thanks so much for um, having me. And yeah, please visit us at calwave.energy and yeah, subscribe. We'll have more news coming out in the future. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you join us and uh, listen to Marcus Lehman, CEO of CalWave. Till next time, goodbye. You've been listening to Energy Transitions, a podcast brought to you by Enlit Europe and friends. You can listen again and hear all other episodes on enlit-europe.com slash podcasts. And don't forget to catch up on our other great digital content on our 365 platform, enlit-europe.com. Thank you.